Hello world and welcome to another episode of LJ Presents. Today's guest is Mr. Brian Lewis. He is the host of the Independent Rebel podcast and he's also a science fiction writer. Now I came up upon Brian. Uh, he was a guest host on the Benjamin Dixon Show. That's a podcast that I listen to regularly. That's pretty much how I get my news is, you know, blurbs off of Twitter and then podcasts. So it's a great podcast. If you want to check it out, uh, Apple, iTunes, Google, you know the drill. Uh, you can find it everywhere where podcasts are created. But anyway, he was a guest host on his podcast. So I found him on Twitter. Uh, I, we have a lot in common in regards to politics, science fiction, and you know how we view the world and so i asked him to come on and he said yeah we had a great chat about everything uh so ladies and gentlemen i present to you mr brian lewis hey uh ben thanks for coming on this this is awesome i i had a first uh, discovered you you were a guest host on the benjamin dixon show his podcast and uh, i had just recently started you know, listening to him and, you know, we, I, you know, I, through your show, I found out that you're from North Carolina. I grew up in North Carolina in Greensboro, right? Mm -hmm. So where do you live? Where, where in North Carolina? Right now, I currently live in Fayetteville, uh, okay. but I bounce back and forth between Fayetteville and uh, Raleigh. Uh, okay. Charlotte. I, I pretty much have friends, acquaintances, family, pretty much all over the place in North Carolina. Um, gotcha. So yeah, it's, it's it's nice out here. I'm originally though from Baltimore, Maryland. I mm -hmm. moved to North Carolina in high school, so I've been here for a while. But mm -hmm. I still call Baltimore home, and uh, yeah, I try to go back up there from time to time as well. Gotcha. Well, you know, just you know, being a progressive liberal uh in on the east coast i'm sure is pretty much a monumental task because you know you're pretty much in all the swing states <laughs> mm -hmm. on that side so uh so definitely you know hearing hearing your show hearing your guest host on uh, the benjamin dixon show and your own podcast um uh, you know just the thoughts that were running through my mind was like dear god you know how how are you dealing with being a progressive in a state like North Carolina, because not not that, well, it's hard in general all the way around, you know, not aligning yourself with, you know, the quote unquote left Democrat or the right Republican, but kind of seeing through the veil and seeing how, you know, both are pretty much, you know, the same thing, except mm -hmm. one has a D on the end and the other one has an R. But mm -hmm. it's uh, pretty funny. Just let me tell you this quick story about you know, one of the things that I had, uh, I had a conversation, you know, with my son and uh, earlier this morning, I had a conversation, you know, with, with my dad, you know, my father, you know, called me this morning, you know, just to check up uh, on me. But then also it was your tweet that I woke up to uh, Friday morning about uh, Robert Fuller. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, you know, the year is 2020 and there is a bona fide lynching that happened. Right. Right. And just when you think, you know, it couldn't be over 2020, you know, just constantly keep saying, hold my beer. I got yeah, something else. 2020 has <laughs> been a doozy. Uh, like you yeah, would think, yeah. and it was crazy is, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but what's crazy <laughs> is it's like, um, People were saying the same thing about 2019, you know, 2018. You know, it's like every year is is something else being thrown at us, something unexpected. So, you know, you go and you move into 2020 and, and people are like, okay, yeah, this is time for new beginnings. And people are making their uh, resolutions and things like that. Then it's like, you know, mere days into into this year, we were bombarded with the with the, with the mess. And it's, it's, it's never ending. You know, and it, it seems to just get worse and worse and worse. And I mean, speaking about the lynching, it's like, it's like what's crazy is that's I've heard stories similar to that for several years now um, where, you know, they'll find, you know, a black person. I think something happened a few years back in Atlanta, something very similar 
uh, where they'll find these bodies of, of black people hanging from something. And it's, it's simply just written off as a suicide, uh, which seems just absolutely crazy because, I mean, if, if that's what you would plan on do, doing to yourself, you know, you would think, you know, there are a lot, <laughs> a lot of other ways of doing it. Like nobody, nobody goes, you know, into a, a tree and hangs themselves. That's just not right. something a, you know, a black person is probably going to do. So, I mean, just the very nature and looking at the history of America and how that yeah. has been used as a form of terrorism against us and against our people. I mean, you know, that's obviously the first thing that you would go to. But I want to emphasize that obviously of course we would hope that these things are properly investigated and that uh the culprits are are brought to justice but you know we know how that goes for the most exactly. part exactly exactly and even though you want to you know even though they're saying oh it's an attempted suicide like I, I just can't help but think that you know we've seen these we've seen these types of uh events happen and the same story happening over and over again oh this must have been attempted suicide and i mean you know rest in peace robin williams because he hung himself but he did it in in inside like in a home or, right exactly or, or what have you right so you know i'm thinking of that and i'm like that doesn't make sense are you going to hang yourself right in front of city hall and there are no cops i'm sure it's wide open air it's like no 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 yeah, in, in the woods, going into the woods, and I know this. I don't know. I don't think he was trying to. This particular person was trying to woods, but like I've heard, like I said, I've heard of stories similar to this. Where yeah, like they, it was. Uh, I can't think of like the city it was in, but um, they literally found the guy in in the woods. Like nobody. So you mean to tell me somebody is going to go into the woods, find a tree, climb the tree, hang the rope around the the branch? And then jump off the branch. That that does that. It just doesn't seem logical. And then we right. know that uh, we know that a lot of these militia groups, the, a lot of these far right groups, a lot of these white supremacist groups have been exploding in number in recent years. We know that these groups are uh, being emboldened by the president. Um, and and I mean, on top of everything else that's going on with the economy and and. It's just there. There are too many other explanations for, I think, the suicide thing to 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 be bought by a lot of people. And don't get me wrong; I'm not saying that it's impossible. It's just not. It's just not likely. It's and there are there are other logical explanations. And I mean, I, I just I hope that his family uh, gets some sort of justice. But yeah. I, I don't know with everything that's going on right now. It's just very hard to believe that. And, and actually see that happen. And I mean, but, you know, it's, 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 it's just another thing, you know, to, to worry about. I mean, I was on Twitter before we started talking and, um, uh, there was another guy that was, uh, killed in Atlanta, um, recently, like within, within the past 24 hours, I want to say, mm-hmm. um, it, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't, I can't really, I was even, uh, I was recently at, a a funeral and I, I don't want to go into a ton of detail about it but uh okay i was talking to like one of my family members and i we just started talking about politics and i asked him, i was like have you ever like yes he's up there in age he's like in the 60s i was like do you do you remember things being this bad or, or is it, it is, is it just a situation where maybe because of social media and everybody has a camera phone nowadays you know we're just seeing it more but it's kind of always been like this or is it actually getting bad? He was like, no. He was like, no. It's 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 getting worse. He was like, he was like, it's. Uh, I haven't seen things this bad in in a long time. Um. So yeah, that's 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 how I feel because that's that's really how it feels right now. I don't I don't know if that that it's just camera phones catching it all. I, I just think things really are getting worse. Um. And the solutions we have people have solutions the problem is the politicians aren't listening to the solutions because they don't like the solutions so we're in a situation right now that i don't i don't really know how we get out of well you know i i've mentioned this before in, in another episode of my podcast to uh to to news commentators you know from rt and i was like this is malcolm x's ballot or bullet like we are the you know again like this has been said over and over again, but, you know, I think we're in the cycle to where you're just going to have to make some noise. Mind you, I don't want, well, you know, truth be told, I don't really care about 
property. I care about human lives, you know, uh, you know, people not losing their lives or what have you, because things can be rebuilt, uh, you know, but, you know, once you realize that, you know, the armed forces that are in some of these cities don't care about human lives, they care about property damage, then, you know, that tells you, you know, once again, whose side the government is on. And like you said, you know, uh, the government, you know, they're not listening to us because they're too busy trying to keep things, you know, the way, the way it was. And just like with the, right. And just like with the coronavirus that's happening, it's like you, you're not, we're not going back to normal. You know, the new normal now is not going to just buy frivolous, you know, shit. Although, with the new PS5 that's coming out. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I tweeted something about that. I was like, man, damn you capitalists. <laughs> like, cause I mean, we, we all need our uh, ways of, of detaching. Like I know, like, I know we were going to, we're going to talk about the book in a second, but um, yeah, like whether it's, it's writing, reading, video games, uh, going outside and, and, you know, whatever, like there are a million things that you can do to, to take your mind off of, uh, you know, the, the goings on in, in America right now in the, in the world. Uh, but yeah, like the, the PS five is, uh, is something that I'm definitely probably gonna have to take a look at, but, uh, but to, <laughs> to go back to what you were saying earlier about the politicians, the thing is we don't have true representation. Um, we have, and I've said this on Twitter, you know, several times and, you know, I've said it on my own show before. Um, we are supposed to have a representative democracy, you know, where the, the whole idea is you vote for politicians and politicians go to Washington or, you know, if you're talking about statewide, they go to, your, you know, your, your state legislature or whatever the case may be, and they work on your behalf. That's the way it's supposed to work on paper. The problem is we have a, a government that's so thoroughly corrupted uh, from top to bottom. Uh, on on all levels of government, <clears throat> that uh, because of the money that they they're being given by lobbyists and things like that, uh, we don't have representation anymore. And then you have people like Pelosi, Schumer, Clyburn. You have these people who have been in office for a very long time, uh, and and a lot of these people just need to be they need to retire. Like they need to get out of the way because they're not actually doing anything. <laughs> To, to actually help people anymore and, and people are beginning to see this you know so if we don't have if we don't have true representation then we don't have democracy you right. know we have this we have this plutocratic oligarchy you know whatever you want to call it it's definitely not representative democracy though right and it took a long time to get to this point where eyes are beginning to open up because, you know, we were under the veil during the Obama administration where we were, you know, happy to have our first black president. Policies were kind of sort of coming out that was supposed to benefit uh, middle class, what have you. But no one was really paying attention to the countless, you know, wars that were happening, you know, and and definitely like the the XL pipeline, whereas reminiscent of the 60s where water cannons were being sprayed on people and all this was under the Obama administration. That was pretty much when I started to see, well, I had my suspicions. And again, the line of folks that, that I know were already far independent and, you know, telling me their opinions as to, you know, what, what was going on, but I was still pretty much holding out. Right. So Mm -hmm. after what I'd probably say 2010, 2012, what have you was when I started digging deeper into what, you know, government was doing, you know, as far as like, I think during that time we were looking at the, the, what, the Electronic uh, Freedom Foundation with the net neutrality. I was reading up on that and I was like, whoa, 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 net neutrality. Why are we trying to get rid of this? This is stupid. Oh, this is another thing of control, right? So mm-hmm. I just kept going down the line and was like, hey, we, like, this isn't right. And then I started going back further you know, in regards to, you know, the prison industrial complex, how we got around to that. And, you know, next thing you know, it's 2020 and we've got these career politicians that are still trying to keep the status quo and still trying to uh, marginalize 
black folks and other people of color, you know, into saying, oh, well, you got to vote this way because what else are you going to do? Like, you got to do it this way. But, you know, the crazy thing, one, one of the discoveries, well, not necessarily a discovery, but a, a realization, you know, was the simple fact that I was looking at a documentary on uh, Shirley Chisholm, right? And seeing how she went from, you know, saying that she was going to run for president and went all the way to the convention and seeing how and seeing all of the things that she had to go go up against you know even with the whole feminist feminist movement with Gloria Steinem like even you know she was saying oh well you know she's good for the cause but this white man over here is is better right so you know you're really beginning to see how the sausage was made and how this one particular black woman you know, who wasn't the right shade of, of brown, basically, like if she had been a white woman doing that, then it would have, you know, they probably would have, you know, fought for her. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, we're seeing this time and time again. So we're looking at Shirley Chisholm having her battle. And then you can go back further with Henry Wallace, uh, trying to do like, he was pretty much like the Bernie of the 1940s, right? So, you know, I'm seeing how the DNC is constantly uh, keeping progress like holding progress you know back right yeah and that's like that's honestly one of the reasons why i'm not a democrat anymore like the only thing my phone is going off the only time i'm really uh the only time i I vote democrat is because since since i live in north carolina we have closed primaries so Mm. they force you to choose a side pretty much um so i have to like (laughs) change my uh, party affiliation when it comes time to vote. But really, like, I, I'm, I'm an independent, and I'm an independent because of this very thing. Like, I, I realized, like, years ago, sometime during the Obama administration, I'm not exactly sure what year it was. It might have been around 2011, 2012, after he, um, you know, basically attacked Libya and did, did that whole thing with, uh, I don't even want to get into that, but basically it was around that time when I realized, wow, like this is, um, this is bogus. Like, 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 so like Democrats are not on certain issues. They don't go quite as far as Republicans. Like, so right now the GOP and the Republicans are just like full blown fascists at this point, full blown off the right wing authoritarians. Whereas like the Democrats they're not, it's not even really accurate at this point to really even call them left. You know, like they're, 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 there's really no left representation in government outside of maybe individuals, outside of like the squad. But like as a, as a party, like in, in its entirety, no, like the Democratic Party, especially the leadership specifically, um, are, are centrist and moderates. You know, even on certain issues, I would even go so far as to say center right, not even right. center left. Um, so it's like, where are we to go? Like, like progressives and leftists, um, that don't really have a whole lot of representation in government. Uh, a lot of people want to, you know, choose third parties, whether it's like green party or something else like that. Uh, I recently joined DSA, which isn't technically a political party, but, um, I need to do something with this phone. It's not technically, it's not technically a uh, political party, but it's, it's um, it's something that I've attached myself to because the alternatives right now, in, in terms of like the Democratic Party itself, are just weak. Like, like, and we can even see it. Look at the, uh, you know, what the Democrats have decided to do with regards to policing. Like, so you have right. two weeks of protesting going on, and people are making some some pretty. Uh, radical demands and the really demands that really shouldn't be viewed as radical, but in the American context, they are radical. Um, And the Democrats do this whole song and dance where they, they're wearing Kente Kente cloth and taking, don't even get me started on that. That was just stupid, but yeah. And doing this whole performative thing. And then their, their policy suggestions are like, what? Like, like, you know, they don't even use the word abolish. You know, right. they're talking about putting limitations on things, putting limitations on, uh, you know, qualified immunity. Uh, it's, it's like it's I don't know, man. It's it's if we don't. Uh, I saw Reverend Barber give this really good interview on I want to say CNN recently. Uh, it might have been in MSNBC, but he, he was basically saying that 
if we don't like see what's going on right now and and have a proper response for the times, we're gonna be sorry pretty much because uh, we're not gonna keep getting opportunities like like with you know whether you want to talk about the police state, whether you want to talk about COVID-19 and, and, and the healthcare crisis, we still have climate change, which is a major issue that, that is not being taken seriously enough. How many more chances do people think we're going to get to get this right? I mean, I think this is a pivotal, well, of course, it's a pivotal moment, but, you know, this is our true chance to take pretty much take care of everything in one fell swoop, healthcare, race relations and climate change and we're all seeing how it's stemming from the status quo of our our system of our government and i mean as far as political parties go i mean dsa yes one you know over here on on the west coast people are kind of uh, gravitating towards uh, the mpp movement for people's party uh, you know the what the green party i think for i i haven't delved into it all that much but i hear tell that there's a fracturing uh within the green party uh there you know there's always a big push to try and get former uh minnesota governor jesse ventura you know to run for president uh you know but you know under the green party you know he's basically saying you know hey i don't have time to put to get put the party back together but if you make me your nominee i'll run basically was you know what that whole thing is saying yeah another old white man but you know, he, was a, he was in predator so hey there's that <laughs> hey, you know he, yeah. he um he was a wrestler at one point in time too like so yeah so yeah so i mean at this point at this point i i, I don't care if, if he does it or not like i just want to see i just want to see something different because joe right. biden is is the worst i mean i don't know if I don't know if um, we could have a a worse election than than what we were faced with in 2020. Yeah, um, this is bad, and this is one of the things that I was. Bad. No, go ahead. Yeah, I, you know, this is one of the things I was you know talking to my dad. You know, because uh, he called me because he's in North Carolina. He calls me. It's at like 7 a.m. here, and uh, again, he woke me up and was like, "Hey, don't go out." Don't go out of town. And I'm just like, Dad, I'm, I'm fine. You know, like <laughs> the place, the place. Well, hey, listen, I really wasn't trying to shrug it off because I, I heard not necessarily the concern in, in his tone, basically. You know, it was just because, hey, don't go outside of Berkeley. Don't go into don't go uh, further east. Well, for us, it's further east, like inner California, because that's where, you know, those extreme, you know, right wings uh, ring it people, you know, are for the most part. Um, but you know, we're, 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 he was trying to convince me to vote for Joe Biden. And, you know, and at, at that point, you know, I was like, number one, I was like that, you don't have to worry about me. I live in California. It's going to be blue. I could vote for the man in the moon and that's fine. You know, and the whole conversation, you know, I'll bring the conversation to a point, but basically it was, I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden and I'm going to tell you why. And I started listing all the things. And and I told him, I was like, you know, I get it. I get why you want me to do it. You know, I totally understand. And that's when I told him the story about this older woman uh, during uh, the lunch counter center movement, you know, in Greensboro, where four college students from A&T State University sat down. There was an older black woman that went to them that actually worked at the lunch counter who was worried for them, told them, don't start any trouble, get up and leave, right? So you, you hear what I'm saying? Like right. these four men decided to change the status quo and they were met with fear from their own. Not necessarily, it was fear from not wanting to see them hanging from a tree, mm-hmm. right? So, but these four men started a movement okay so that's when i'm saying seeing oh well this is happening again like you know i'm 48 generation x is weeping the benefits of what our you know the last generation did before us and now the younger generation are the ones that are actually pushing the needle 
more. Like it has to happen now, just like you said, because this is the one moment that we get to change everything and we have to do that. Yeah. And I think, I really think there are the, the, the elites, the, the capitalists, I, I think, I think they're prepared to um, have us walk over the cliff for real. Like I, I really think they're prepared to see this thing crash and burn before they actually change something because to change the system at this point means that they've been wrong the entire time. And it means that, you know, we on the left, we've been right for the most part. Uh, you know, and I, I think there's so much about this that has more to do with protecting uh, a certain ideology, protecting a certain culture than it, than it has anything to do with governance anymore. Um, I really just think they see us as, uh, you know, people needing to be controlled. And, and that's the problem. That goes back to what I was saying earlier about just not having representation, because that's not if, if we if we had actual representative government. The, the people who are who have power wouldn't be viewing uh, the citizenry citizenry in that way. You know, it would be it would be more codependent. You know, where they would view us as they would they would recognize that they need us as much as we need them. Whereas is, that's not the dynamic right now. They view us as as an obstacle. You know, group to be to be controlled and corralled. Whereas they're like the I don't know. I don't really know how they view themselves, but they they clearly view themselves as being better than us and, and, and you know, more knowledgeable than us. And, and, and that's not that's not something that uh, needs to exist for too much longer. Uh, I think we really need to. And actually, I read this article on The New York Times before we started talking called the uh, the end of black politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think that this is a turning point. Um, I don't know how really it's going to end but I, I really feel like this is this is a transition period that we're in right now and and something that's been in existence for for a long time in this country might be coming to an end uh and there's there's a lot to that there's a lot to say about that economically i don't know that capitalism is going to be around for too much longer at least not in its current form because it's just it's, it's sucking too much life out of out of people and out of uh, out of the world, uh, there's there's something to be said about that politically. Uh, I don't know how much how much longer the two party system is going to last as people begin to see that it's it's really in many ways a one party autocracy on a lot of issues. Right. Um, there's something to be said about it culturally. I mean, this I, I just I feel like this is the beginning of something really important, and it can go one of two ways. It can go really bad potentially and and you get you know some sort of right-wing dictatorship forming uh, if you have if if people on the right uh begin to realize that they can no longer maintain power through the democratic process which is what we're seeing now through like things like voter suppression then they're gonna look for new means of of maintaining power and that's gonna be uh through through some sort of form of dictatorship and fascism. It can either go that way or it's going to go the way of, of having actual true justice, true, you know, true freedom and a, and a true uh, government that, that represents all people. That's what I believe in. Uh, that's actually what I wrote about in my book. So that's, um that's what I'm striving for. And that's what I'm, that's, that's what I think we all need to be striving for, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's we're looking at a, a tonal shift that, you know, we're starting to see, you know, take place. But, you know, I am curious, though, uh, you know, I, I live in Berkeley, California, you know, I'm originally from the South, I'm from Greensburg, North Carolina. So I've seen, I know both sides, I've been on the West Coast now, uh, what, well over 10 years. And, you know, I know that I live in a bubble when it when it comes to progressive politics, or, or what have you. But I'm curious, you know, what what is it like being a progressive in the South where you have to change your, your party status so that you could vote, you know, the way, you know, you would like to vote or what have you. And what's the general consensus out there? Well, the people in my sphere, uh, the people in my sphere are pretty, pretty progressive. Now, of course, in the South in general, it tends to lean more conservative than, maybe other parts of the country, but North Carolina isn't that bad compared to uh, some other places. Like it's, it's not as conservative. It's not as deep red as maybe somewhere like South Carolina. Um, uh, 
uh, even Florida, I would say, is is even more red than than North Carolina is right now. If if it weren't for voter suppression, and and I know a lot of that has has been uh, you know knocked back in North Carolina because of different uh, rules that have come down, and and the courts have have ruled against different voter suppression schemes and things like that. North Carolina is really kind of a purple state. You know, everybody knows it went for Barack Obama in 2008, and it hasn't really gone for a Democrat since then. But a lot of that has to do with, again, it has to do with with different voter suppression tactics. I I think if we had uh, a system that allowed people to vote more easily, if if you had mail-in voting that was more universal, more widespread, a lot of these places that are considered deep red really wouldn't be that red. Because if if you look at it on like a policy-by-policy issue, um, progressives have a lot more support than the media would have a lot of folks believe. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of support for Medicare for All. There's a lot of support for the Green New Deal. There's a lot of support for even if you look at uh, the support that Black Lives Matter is getting right now, uh, majority support. There's there's support for overwhelming support for reform. Now, I have reform, reforming the police. I mean, I have my problems with that, my criticisms of that, because I don't think it goes far enough. But um, a lot of progressive ideas are popular. It's just that people might not necessarily want that label attached to them. Um, but yeah, like there are a lot of colleges in North Carolina. So, uh, like a lot of these cities like Raleigh, Charlotte, you know, a lot of these cities are, 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 you know, potentially pretty progressive. Uh, and I certainly see that, but, uh, whether or not people are actually getting out to vote, uh, whether or not people actually have the ability to vote are completely different things. Um, because I think because of voter suppression, I think that's being tampered down. And what that does is that that creates a narrative where it actually looks more conservative than it actually is because they're the ones who are more easily able to vote. So, right. And that, and that's one of the things like whenever, whenever I I come back home, I, I look around the neighborhood, I, you know, I talk to my friends or what have you, and I'm seeing that the general population, you know, I think has truly not I don't want to say change, but, you know, they're totally on board with pretty much every common sense thing, you know, that you could lay out like, like, hey, you know, this should happen because it will give more people a a chance to vote. This should uh, change so that people can actually go out and make a living and be able to you know, take care of themselves, take care of their responsibilities or what have you. But it's the power structure, you know, you know, that's still, you know, putting their thumb on on the scale. And the big trick is trying to get the general population to see that. Right. And that's been, you know, when I finally took the red pill in 2016, that was the very first time I didn't vote for a Democrat. I didn't vote for a Republican. I voted third party, you know, because I couldn't see myself voting for someone who truly didn't have a vested interest, you know, not only with the general population, but with black folk in general. And I mean, if you want to, you know, and we have to, we have to keep harping on, you know, black lives matter. We have to keep harping on, you know, if they're going to keep continuing to, you know, suppress, you know, the black population, just imagine what they're going to do when it's your turn. Right. And so that's the general idea. Like, well, you know, you have to make sure that there is some kind of economic, you know, equality, right? Education equality, you know, like we have to go beyond uh, Dr. King's, uh, what he, he gave a speech where he was talking you know, about the moderate whites and, you know, why don't you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps? And it's like, well, we're trying to, but you keep, you're keeping us from doing that. And it's by design. Right. They don't really yeah. want us Truth be told, they don't really want us to be independent, you know, because if if we're economically independent, then then that means power. That means that right. they can't really control us. What they what they do now is they control us through wage, through our wages, our our, our need, the necessity to to go and work for them, and 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 because there aren't a lot of owners, uh, a lot of people who own like uh, you know. Uh, land and resources in, in the black community, 
we're primarily just getting, we're primarily just surviving based on our ability to work for them. And, and that there's a lot of control that comes along with that on, on their end. So like if, if we were actually able to be truly independent and uh, autonomous, uh, then, then that control that they have over us goes away. Uh, so they do all of this talking about, you know, pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps and things like that. Trust and believe if we created some boots that they didn't like, they would have a problem with that. <laughs> so, so they they want us in raggedy boots. Like they don't they don't want us in 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 boots that we've built that could uh you know do some sci-fi stuff, you know, and, and where they would even be amazed by it because then that means oh wow, now we can't control these people anymore. You know, so right. it's 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 a game that they like to play, but and I, I get I get tired of hearing people uh politicians say, you know, talk about bootstraps and things like that. Obama was like, Obama was notorious for that, you know, and yeah. that just, that just doesn't work the way people think it does. You know, and, and the big thing is that, you know, when he addressed the nation, when he started talking about, you know, well, get into the political process, you know, start voting. I was like, you know, I'm not going to argue with that because there is some truth in that, but let's just be clear as to what you're what your two terms have done for black America. And that was really uh, another moment for me when I realized that, you know, I put it to you like this. When he was in office, I made it a point that whenever he, when he was on TV, I would set my son down so that he could actually see uh, this person that, you know, looked like him, you know, because Barack Obama's biracial, my child is biracial as well. So I wanted to make sure that he saw that image. And at the same time, I would always always have to go back because he's 10 now. I would have to go back and say, well, I did this so you could actually see what, what that looked like. But I also need to be truthful and tell you that there are a lot of things that I disagreed with him during his terms in office and what he's doing now, which I think is absolutely diabolical to a certain to a certain degree and uh you know we can go on and on and on all with that <laughs> with this but i want to get yeah but you know i want to get to your book now you're you're a science fiction writer when did you get into science fiction what what was the moment that got you into this and tell me about your book oh man I, i've been into science fiction all my life um i was originally like when i was young i was a huge fan of star wars um, I still am to an extent. I, I just feel like the uh, franchise has kind of gone in a weird direction. But um, big shout out. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, hopefully he's listening to this, but big shout out to John Boyega. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. That, that man is that man is the truth. He's, he's the real deal. And you don't you don't oftentimes see um, celebrities taking taking risks like that. But uh, yeah, but I, I've been into science fiction for um a long time and it got to a point where before this is before black panther came out because technically speaking i've been writing fire Emblem for since 2017 i want to say like fall of 2017 mm-hmm. um so that was before summer fall of 2017 so that was before black panther came out because i realized like for years people would say things like hey you know there's not a lot of black representation in media uh, or, you know, if you do see black representation, it's, it's, it can sometimes come off as stereotypical or it's, it's, you know, black people being in very, uh, similar roles to what you've, you've seen us in before. So like right. comedies and, and, you know, romance films and things like that. I was like, you know, what if, you know, what if we have, you know, some, some stories that are written some science fiction stories. And I know I see like a lot of fantasy stories coming around a lot of, there's some really good black fantasy authors that are out there. Um, and I was like, you know, we probably need more of that. So I said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of waiting for other people to do it. This was also around the time when, um, uh, what was that movie? The, the ancient Egypt movie that I can't, I think when I, I want to say it was gods like, of Egypt, gods of Egypt. Yeah. That's exactly oh. what it was. <laughs> oh, this was, this was around the time when that movie was out. And I was like, Oh, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> like, that like, was I, amazing. Right. <laughs> I didn't I, even see it. I didn't see point. it either. I, I refuse to watch it. Even like now, like you could probably get it now for like a few bucks. And I, I'm like, I, I'm not even, I don't care. Like, cause I was like, I'm just tired of, of, of seeing stuff like this. So I said, you know what? I sat down, 
Um, I started outlining the story and it just one thing led to another and it eventually led to Fireman. Now, it took me so long to finish it because I just, I was doing other things at the time I was working and then I would catch writer's block. So, you know, I would stop writing it for, you know, several months at a time. So it really took me a lot longer to finish it than it should have. The book in paperback form is 235 pages. Um, I could really technically write something like that in four months, three, four months, if I really just sat down and committed to it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's something where I think I think more stories like this are necessary. And I think if you look at the success of Black Panther, you know, that's that's proof of that. People are like yearning for something different. Um, and and it, I don't think Black Panther was just lightning in a bottle either. A lot of people might think, well, that, that only did so well because it's Marvel and, you know, they put all this money behind it and it, you know, it's very glitzy and, you know, a lot of CG and stuff like that. But no, I think, I think there's, I think there's a, a true yearning for, you know, science fiction stories, fantasy stories with, you know, black characters or, or uh, within a, an Afrofuturistic setting. And so that's pretty much what Faramon is. Um, it's like, so there's a civilization, the civilization that I designed is called New Mandan. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole idea is that it's a, a post-capitalist society uh, that has reached, like, sort of, I guess you can say, like, near post-scarcity. So for those who might not know, post-scarcity really just means, like, in economic terms, when the production of a good outpaces the demand. So there's, like, an element of abundance which allows people to, you know, be able to work less while still maintaining high standards of living. Um, gotcha. And it's, 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 it's a, it, I wanted to create a world that would, would seem familiar, but also very different, very strange, but in a positive way at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and of course it's not, I'm not saying that necessarily I think this civilization can exist or even that I think this civilization is going to exist in our lifetimes, but even just the idea of just planting, you know, a seed of an idea in people's minds of, of a civilization that could exist that will be, you know, potentially better than the one that we live in currently. I mean, things are things are kind of bad when you have to, uh, you know, look to science fiction and fantasy to, you know, uh, think about a better world. But that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a, when you were just, you know, talking about about your book i immediately thought of uh the zeitgeist movies mm-hmm. have, have you seen those i haven't seen them i've heard about them though yeah if you get a chance you know uh there it's on youtube so it's you know i think there's two of them they're both like two hours or what have you but it talks about that that uh that system of like a cashless society kind of like star trek you know for the most part where you know people are not just you know living a life of leisure but you know the concept of better, you know, doing better for yourself in regards to, you know, thinking of thinking and creating new things are more important than making money. And society is still, you know, chugging along because people are actually living their best lives because they're actually following their passions as far as like exactly. what they to do with themselves or, or, or what have you. And do you see yourself writing a, a, a series of books along this this universe you've created? Yeah, I don't know how many yet, so I don't want to put an exact number to it. Uh, I'm thinking at least, thinking at least five, but um, it could go, it could go longer than that. Because I mean, I have a lot of ideas. I have pages worth of ideas, like things that I didn't even put in the book because I didn't really find a place to put it in that would make sense. Because so much of the book is this first book is spent, you know, just fleshing out the governance system, which is like this. Uh, anarchic sort of direct democracy uh so like fleshing out the governance system uh with a little bit of the economy uh and and the technology is like the big thing because of course it's a science fiction book so you have to talk about technology um because so in new mandan the power is allocated based on the will of the collective the collective is basically the citizenry you know the people of of new mandan and so you know if if you're a citizen of the country uh, by default, you're a member of the collective. Uh, so the decisions are made in this near universal manner where everyone votes with these like devices on their arms, uh, 
like you think of them like like an armband, um, but I call them like Ar- armulas, and so it, the armbands connect to this this augmented reality internet, um, and that's how they communicate. That's how they vote, and it's it, it, since it's all like digital and it's all connected to this internet, everything is done in a, in a flash. So uh, it, it's 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 sort of like an idea of what a society would be like if. Um, not to say that there was no government because there is, you know, a government in the country, but the government is right. very, very limited. And it's, it's more of a focus on, on local autonomy. Cause like in the book, New Mandan is broken into these like seven States, if you want to call them that. I call them nodes. So you have like node one, node two, node three, all the way up to node seven. And they mm-hmm. each have, uh, different tasks, uh, that they're, you know, that they're responsible for. Uh, and so when things are built, when things are completed, it's done sort of like for the betterment of, of everybody as a group. Now, so even like things like healthcare, for instance, healthcare is like universal. So, uh, you know, when when medical discoveries are made, like one of the, I don't want to give too much about the book away, but the yeah, whole book yeah. centers around a major scientific discovery that's about to be made that could uh that could dramatically expand life life expectancy to like near like immortality almost um and it's not something where like if something like this were created in today's society it would be very bad actually because we have a society that's predicated on uh, on wealth and and about you know you don't you don't get certain things if you can't afford it so something like this would would, would create in like in like an Elysium type of situation in, in, in like the real world because the only people who would be able to benefit from it would be like the super rich people. But in this society, a society where uh, things are universal by default, it automatically goes to everybody, you know? So it's not something where, you know, if you can't afford it, you know, you're just, you know, SOL and you're, you're just going to be, you know, you're going to have a situation where you're going to have two types of people, the people who can afford, you know, to, to live forever and the people who are just like, uh, you know, you know, deprived of everything. Now it's not like that. It's, it's, everything is sort of universal and spread out. So everybody has the benefits of, of these advances in technology. So it's, 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 um, it's, I think a, a good book for people to read, to introduce you to certain concepts in pharma is a book called a uh, fully automated luxury communism. Um, now, of course I'm not, I'm not a communist, but uh, the, the book has a lot of the book has a lot of ideas in it that, you know, I said, you know, what, I might I might I might uh, want to find different ways to work this in um, to farm. Yeah, yeah. So and then, of course, the book has a female protagonist, which I also think is very important. Um, I think it's also important that uh, people see, you know, protagonists that look like them. So it was very important. I hired my artist. It was very important because uh, I didn't do the cover. Like the cover, I've gotten great reviews for the cover. I wish I could say that I did it myself, but I didn't. I had to hire mm-hmm. somebody to do that. And I want, I made sure that I emphasized, no, I want, I want, you know, I want a black woman on the cover because it's not something, uh, it's not something that you see very often, especially mm-hmm. in science fiction and fantasy. So again, you know, if we're breaking the mold, if we're doing new things, then you know, certain things, something as simple as that has to become the norm. So I consider the book an Afrofuturistic book. Um, you know, I consider it also sort of like a solar punk book because the book deals a lot with like solar technology and, you know, cause it's a, it's a post, you know, fossil fuel world as well. So I wanted to play around with different forms of alternative energy. And I think in future books, I might even get even crazier with it. Like I might create like some, some form of, of energy or something like that doesn't, doesn't even exist yet. or really kind of just exists in theory. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's I, I think, I think this is probably one of the best things I've ever done, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, because it's, it, you know, I was talking to, um, I was talking to, you know, a friend of mine and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something pretty powerful to have an idea where you're, you're writing about something that doesn't exist, but in a way it it probably could exist, but it might not exist because people are too 
caught up in in the way things are and, and people don't want to take risks and something like this would be very risky you know well, so that's it's the thing, right no I'm just saying that's the thing right you know as far as like wanting to think to the future and like looking at the way technology is going now and then mm-hmm. trying to figure out where it's going you know later on right like right. like perfect perfect example was when you were talking about the technology of these bands where it's connected to your you know head or brain or whatever and i immediately thought of uh have you heard of the neural link that elon musk i've heard of it yeah i've heard of it it's yeah yeah, i've heard of it. i haven't done too much research into it but um yeah it's it it is crazy and i I, like i'm cautious and truth be told like i'm cautious about a lot of this stuff if if because the problem is capitalism and and it goes back to what i was saying earlier about like an elysium type of situation where like this technology can be beneficial really beneficial to people but then it becomes a problem if it's it's being used in the wrong way or or it's you know the benefits of it are only being felt by a very tiny minority of people you see and i don't i don't believe in that i, I think that can create a lot of problems actually um right well yeah, yeah so- that- yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was just, you know, gonna say that, uh, you know, it is, you know, kind of crazy, and I totally get get where you're coming from. But it's definitely like the technology is here because this man was talking about, you know, like right now he's got he's doing like certain tests or what have you. I don't think I don't know if he's gone to human subjects yet, but I think he has. Like that's I saw him on the Joe Rogan show like maybe a month or so ago, and he was talking about the Neuralink, and so. We're literally looking at people not really having to talk right. within our lifetime. And telepathy. Nuts. Yeah. Digital like, telepathy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, if we can make it so we can tap into, you know, the other side where we can actually do like fucking telekinesis, I'm just like, okay, give me my lightsaber. Like, just, <laughs> make me a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, te- technology is is really cool. Like, I I, I like uh, studying technology. Um, at one point in time, back when I was in college, I was going to uh, I was studying very briefly material science. Uh, mm-hmm. At one point in time, I wanted to be an engineer, and then, like honestly, I do uh, like on a side when I'm not writing. I actually uh, am a programmer, a coder, like so. I know like JavaScript and things like that, okay. and that's kind of something that I've taught myself. I didn't go to school for it because you can learn a lot of this stuff online now. So like I'm 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 really huge into technology, and yeah, like whether it's you know what Musk is doing or or even like artificial intelligence, uh, you know, there's there's a lot that's happening right now um, where I, I feel like society can either go one of two ways either it's going to go the way of like this this divergence where you have i keep going back to releasing because that's like the, that's the best mm-hmm. example i can i can point to that and that's a, for those who don't know like that's a movie like that you should you should probably check out because it's it's a pretty interesting movie but we're either going to go in a direction like that where technology is kind of like cut off between like between people based on whether or not you can afford it or we're going to become a society that's you know it could become in in an extreme form somewhat utopic where you know we have uh you know the allocation of resources is more spread out so people are able to benefit from this stuff more um and like i i want to like because i write science fiction i want to be encouraged about the future right? right like and even pharma pharma isn't a bleak story like it's not a story about a bleak future like that's another thing like you see a lot of um post-apocalyptic stories science fiction stories where it's like the end of the world and everything is just going to shit and, and like <laughs> and it's, it's it's all bad and i was like you know what i, I want to go in a completely different direction i was like the future doesn't have to be dark and, and like you know sad and depressing like i said no like in it was in new mandan it's like things actually did get better you know we were actually able to build this society that that actually benefited all people or at least the people in that country now of course there's conflict in the story so there, you know there are a couple different villains um because what we actually find out is that the protagonist she's trying to do something that uh obviously a lot of people don't want so there are people who are, are going out of their way to try to stop this project from completing and um yeah, it's 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 kind of it's kind of crazy, but I hope people like it. 
you know, it's 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 the first one. And honestly, this book finally is going to be the shortest of all the books, because uh, originally this book was going to be like a, a, a novella. Like it wasn't even supposed to be longer than 100 pages. But I got mm-hmm. so into it that it ended up being 235 pages. So like the next book is going to probably be twice the size. I'm I'm it's going to be certainly over 400 pages. So. Um, I'm just going to give me a lot more space to flesh flesh out some ideas that I kind of just tapped into a little bit in the first book. Um, oh, that's dope. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. you know a lot. I, I've talked to some people who saw the cover and they said they're like, "Yeah, man, this is this looks like the uh, cover or poster for a movie or something like that." And I was like, "Hey, you know, God willing, hopefully, you know, hopefully it goes." Well, that was far, my but... next question: Is when you're going to adapt it for uh, as a screenplay? Well, that that depends on if somebody you know, comes around and, and wants to do something like that with it. Um, yeah, I think and give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, if they write the check, you know, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> and then of course, of course I have to, uh, rain, you know, maintain some sort of creative control. Cause you know, obviously a lot of times, uh, when you sign certain lines, you sign away the rights to the book as yeah. well. And so That's the thing true. that I've done is, is I've self published pharma. So I technically don't have a publisher right now. Um, that might change in the future, but um, yeah, I wanted to maintain as much control as possible. So it, it was really important for me to uh, to not give anybody too much power to say, you know what, I don't like that cover. I, I don't like the, the the woman on the cover. You know, let's let's make it a little bit more abstract. Or <laughs> I don't right. like I don't like uh, certain things in the story. Like so, like if I get a publisher, it's going to be later on down the road after I've established this world and they can't go back and change things. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Well, that's definitely, you know, what, what we're seeing now, as far as like, you know, being independent, as far as like creating your own stories, putting it out there and not, you know, flinching in regards to your artistic integrity and uh, hats off to you for one, you know, for creating a, brighter future because i've been in the matrix for i don't like pretty much since 2016 and this is this is kind of hilarious but i went through the philosopher's commentary of mm-hmm. all three movies back in back in 2016 with uh so if if you if you have the discs right uh listen to the uh philosopher's commentary dr cornell west and another guy and, and they talk about the three movies like back to back in regards to what you know, what the film was actually, you know, about. And afterwards, I just left saying, oh, my God, we're doing this all over again in regards to, you know, the movies about control. The movie mm-hmm. is about, you know, the power of choice. And, you know, you got like two philosophers going through going through everything. And I'm just like I was my mind was just blown, blowing because we were doing this over and over again. Uh, and, you know, then there's the, have you ever heard of the theory that we could all be in a simulation? And some of the greatest minds of our time are saying, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> the, the simulation theory, yeah, I've heard, I have heard yeah. of that. I've actually, um, you know, studied to the, to the best of my ability, uh, quantum mechanics and quantum physics. I actually, uh, I actually have a book on quantum mechanics called the quantum enigma i want to say so yeah like it's it's um it's something that i'm i'm familiar with not totally not terribly familiar with but it is yeah i have come across it you know in my studies from time to time it's it's an interesting theory i don't i don't pretend to know uh the answer to it but um but yeah the matrix is the matrix is one of my movies like it's it's a deeply metaphysical movie um where there's there's a lot that's being said you know uh but I think more so with the first movie. I think I feel like the the, the last two movies. I don't know. It, it just didn't feel the same way. Like I, I don't know. I don't. The first movie kind of hit me a little bit more than the than the last two did, at least mm-hmm. from a philosophical perspective. Mm-hmm. But I was. It's funny you bring that up because I was actually watching The Matrix on uh on Netflix the other day because I was like, wow, I haven't. I have, it's been a long time since I actually sat down and watched that movie. Yeah, so I, it still holds up. It does. It does. Yeah. I mean, it's you know the the black leather thing is kind of that's kind of like uh, I don't know about that. But <laughs> I'm more I'm I'm more of a colorful fabric type of person. But no, but uh, it's yeah. it's just a good movie though, for real. Yeah, definitely. So you know, I, I know you got a podcast. You don't 
you, you don't do it every week though, right? I'm not consistent with it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, it's kind of my fault. It's called a uh, progressive independence. Uh, and actually, matter of fact, I, I recently changed the name because um, it, that was too, that was a little too common. I felt like, mm-hmm. um, so I'm I'm probably going to change that, you know, pretty soon. Actually, um, I'm also hiring somebody to do some intro and outro music for me. So because of right now, like I do it through uh, Spreaker, and when it starts, you pretty much just hear my voice. I just kind of start talking. So I'm going to be adding some intro and outro music to it. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't really do it that consistently because most of the time I talk about politics, and I, like I was saying, like talking about politics consistently is a drain. It is, it is, yeah. it is a serious, serious drain, and like it, it's, it's just not like I, I don't want to feel like I'm about to lose it just from doing a podcast because <laughs> I can. So you've probably heard me on Benjamin Dixon's show, like, like I, I can get kind of worked up, like so, um, because this is not this stuff is angering when you read these stories and you just hear it injustice after injustice after injustice. So oh, I have yeah, to, it's work upable. Definitely. Yeah, like I have to pace myself. I really do. Like, so I, I do it from time to time. Like, I, I do it when I'm most inspired, for the most part. Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely you know one of the reasons why I created this podcast was because you know I'm an actor filmmaker. I know a lot of other actor filmmakers here in the Bay Area and abroad, and I wanted to talk more about that. But I also know that I wanted to shed some light on how I see the world. And, you know, I know that I'm not the only one that thinks that way. So, you know, bringing in other independent, you know, people who are quote unquote true left I don't know if that you know we can even say that you know Mm -hmm. anymore but I'm just like I guess my whole thing now is is like not to throw a label on it but it's definitely definitely not like Candace Owens dear God in heaven (laughs) whoo man I was like just just when you think it can't get any worse like did you see Dave Chappelle's uh stand up I did see that I called it uh this morning actually yeah like Chappelle like he's he's a legend like I, I, I'm, I don't know that there is a comedian that uh, at least not modern comedian, not going back too far, but I, in terms of like modern comedians, I, I don't know that there's a comedian that I, that I like more than him because he he's he's always been outspoken. Um, so yes, yeah, I caught it, and it's not even that it was funny because it really wasn't, but it wasn't supposed to be funny. Like it, exactly. it was just him up there, just sharing his thoughts and opinions about what's going on right now. He just, he just comes off as, as a regular dude. Like they talk, they say this stuff about politicians a lot. Like, Oh yeah. You know, the guy that you want to sit down and have a beer with in reality, I don't want to have a beer with any of these people. (laughs) I want you, I want you to do your job, but no, for him, like Dave Chappelle, like, yeah, like he's, he's the type of guy, like I was watching that. I was like, man, like he's, he seems like a real dude, like somebody you can just sit down with and, and, just have a beer with, just talk about right. life and, and, you know, just anything. And he did, he didn't really actually feel like a celebrity in that moment. Like, so he really kind of, you know, put himself out there and, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, I want to give props to that, you know, for him because he didn't have to do that a lot. And really none of these celebrities have to do that because they get blacklisted a lot of them when they, when they speak right. up too much. Uh, even right. John Boyega said that in, in the UK, he was like, you know, I, you know, me saying this, I could, I could lose my career saying stuff like this because like they, they, that's true. Yeah. Like it's, so it's, it's a risk. And, um, but yes, I like, I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. Well, hopefully, you know, we'll see, you know, just like what Dave Chappelle was saying was, you know, the simple fact that, you know, it's not for me to get up here and tell you what to do or to say what I think uh, the streets are going to do it. So, you know, with that being said, you know, the streets in line with, celebrities kind of go hand in hand because you know i'm a firm believer that artists uh mirror what society you know has done so you know you go back and you know you go to the likes of paul robeson you know in the 40s and then ruby and ozzy davis you know in the 50s and 60s you know in 70s or or what have you you know so it's always been in line with uh social political political you know views as well as what the artists you know back then so as long as as long as we back those people 
you know? So for someone like John Boyega, you know, calling out, you know, the world the way he sees it and then giving props, you know, to black women, which, you know, we need to do a lot more of, you know, because they have had our backs, you know, way back, you know, just, you know, just, I don't know how far back to go, but I mean, there's always been a black woman making sure that we're fed, we're clothed, we're cared for, and we feel, you know, needed and wanted, you know what right. I mean? So, right. you know, respect, right? So, right. so, hey man, how, how, how do we get up with you? How, you know, for, how do we, how do we uh, get a hold of your book? How do we tweet you? How do we, you know, just get up with you? And hey, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but, uh, you know, I do have, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, and like that's Facebook is the worst, but you can find me on Twitter at underscore black intellect. Uh, I'm going to be creating a new website pretty soon. I used to have an old website, but it's, it's not up anymore. I, you know, I just let it go. Um, so yeah, mostly for the most part on Twitter, you can also email me book at protonmail.com. Uh, and then you can catch, you can get the book on currently on Amazon, the ebook, uh, because, and then eventually after, you know, I want to say three months, I can put it elsewhere. I can put it on Google. I can sell it myself, uh, personally. Mm-hmm. So I have like 12, I, I ordered 25 copies of the paperback because I had an Indiegogo campaign. So, um, I have to send out paperbacks to the people who contributed to the campaign and I'm going to have about 12 extra. So um, after a couple months, I'm going to be putting those books on Amazon as well. So, uh, yes, it's, you know, what I help out a lot is, is uh, you know, certainly reviewing the book, um, because the more reviews I get, you know, the more it, it ranks up in the search engine. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. And uh, just be on the lookout for part two or book two, which should be coming out. Um, I want to, you know, I don't want to put a date on it yet, but I'm, I'm going to be releasing it by the end of the year for sure. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Cool. Cool. Well, Brian, you know, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming, coming on the show. Uh, you were on my list of people to talk to, uh, you know, for this season and, uh, you know, can't wait to get, to get a hold of your book, which is a, a lot of books. You don't have an audio book yet. Have, have, <laughs> do your cause. There's no audio book at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there will be in the future though. Okay. Cool, cause that's pretty much how I'm consuming everything now. But uh, yeah, I have no problems reading. I do love to read, but you know, it's only 24 hours in a day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, man, I know what yeah. you mean. Like, I have I have a whole list of books that I haven't even read yet. I have just a book <laughs> list of, of about 15 books. So yeah, I know what you mean. I know it's so funny because I'm I'm always on my son, dude. Read, 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 and he do- he does it, and I'm just like, damn, I need to read, right? <laughs> I need to be that example. But anyway, uh, I can go on and on about that. But, you know, hey, man, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Can't wait to see uh, what you do. Uh, congratulations on your book, your podcast. Can't wait for you to, you know, start doing more stuff. And uh, we'll catch you next time. All right. Talk to you later, Jeff. All right, my man. All right. episode of LJ Presents. As always, you can find me on my website at ljeffreymore.com, Twitter at ljeffreymore, and on Instagram at ljeffrey.more. If you like what the show has to offer and you'd like to make a contribution, make sure to check out my Patreon page. Your contribution is always appreciated. Make sure to check back next week for another great guest. See you then.